All right, and good morning, Ridgepoint Church. So I've been fighting a little bit of a sore throat, and I know I have a lot of speaking over the next couple of days. So I promised myself after the first service, I said, man, I'm going to hold off singing in the second service so I can keep my voice. And then that last song, I was like, oh my goodness, like I can't stop. This is so powerful. So I want to thank the band for, for just the job they do every week in leading us. In particular this week, I know we have the big services playing the next couple of nights. And, and you have no idea the countless hundreds of hours the band has, had to, has put in combined uh, to be able to get ready for tomorrow night. They're all volunteers doing this. Uh, so we're really just privileged to be able to have the band leading us in worship. And they just did a great job this morning. Uh, I have a childhood friend. I've, I've known him for almost all of my life. I met him really young when you're in elementary school. And we kind of were friends when we were younger, and then life changed, and we moved to different areas. And we didn't really keep in contact a whole lot, but fortunately today we have social media. And so some point over the last couple of years, we kind of reconnected, not in a deep way, but we kind of became friends again on Facebook. And we talk every once in a while, but not a whole lot. And, and here's the deal, to kind of tell the story from the very beginning, I don't know where his stance is at all on, on God and Jesus and the Bible, any of that stuff. But I know that, that we're Facebook friends, I get to see some of the stuff that he posts. And this week, he went on a rant. He got really fired up earlier in the week. It was, it was one night. He got home from work. He owns his own business, and it was kind of a crazy day, and a bunch of stuff had happened. And he also has had pretty, a, a tragic experience happen around the holidays that already left him a little bit bitter towards the holidays in, in general. But this year, I don't know what happened, but something happened at work, and he got really frustrated. And so he went on social media, which is never a good idea, but he went on social media and had this long rant about how frustrated he was with the holidays. And he went on this huge rant for a while. He apologized the next morning for doing this. But he went on this rant about just the holidays and why is everybody like this. But he said this. And again, not knowing where he's at in terms of where his faith is and God ain't that stuff. He said, man, I wish we could just return back to the original meaning of Christmas. And I thought, you know, that's, that's powerful because I don't know where he stands. I don't know that he is, is really following Christ or that he goes to church or any of those, those things. But he said there's something about Even someone who says, I'm not sure about all that other stuff, said there's, says there's something about Christmas that's supposed to be more than just all of the stuff. And this series, we said, listen, it's not that the stuff itself is bad. We like the lights and, and the, the music and the foods and all those things. But that we want to return to a couple of principles that we want to guide us. All that extra stuff can be fluff on the end and we can enjoy those things. There's a romantic side of Christmas. But the depth of what we want to talk about as a church and the depth of what we want to have as an understanding of people who are trying to follow Jesus the best we can is two things. Number one, we want to focus on Christmas being about the birth of Jesus. And interrupting Christmas has been about, we want to interrupt what Christmas has become to allow it to become what was originally interrupted. And that's what we've gotten away from, by and large, as a culture is celebrating, man, this is the significance of the birth of the Messiah. I came to, to ransom people who are captured, to give us freedom, to give us sight to the blind, to do all those things. And so we have endeavored throughout the series of the church to look back at Old Testament prophecies regarding the Messiah, to look at some of the outcomes of, of what Jesus brought when he came to the earth. And today we're going to look a little bit into what his mission was and how he kind of defined that mission at the very beginning of his ministry. So on one side, one of our goals was we want to make sure we're turned back to biblical principles, understand what the Bible is teaching about the birth of Jesus. And the second side, Jesus said this in the book of Acts. He said it makes us happier to give than to receive. And so he said as much as possible, part of interrupting Christmas is to find unique and creative ways Sometimes in big ways, sometimes in huge ways, we want to make a huge difference and impact people's lives, and sometimes in very small ways, but we want to find unique ways to creatively love the people around us. And this is a big deal for me, because I think sometimes as, as people are trying to do things right, follow Jesus as best we can, sometimes we can simply do these things 
without it allowing us to penetrate into who we are and us becoming the very things that we do. And so the goal is that through some of the things that we do, whether it was uh, bringing toys in for Remember December, or today we're finishing up the, the Change for Change offering, and we're going to get a chance to report on those things tomorrow night and, and the following night. So if you have change and you want to drop in one of the boxes in the back or, or uh, in, in the children's area, we're going to collect all that change. We're going to bless some families for Christmas. Or whether it was last week. Last week at the end of the message, we talked about this idea of, of how can I... As, as an individual, not just as a church, we are a group of people as a church, but as an individual, how can I make today better? And we gave you some practical things to say, go and do this today, because if not, you're going to forget about it. Some of you are like, I meant to do that. I still forgot about it. But, but to go and to, to do some practical things to make today better. And the cool thing was this week, a short time after that, I got an email from someone in the church that said, I want to share with you a story about what happened. It was a really cool story of just in a very small way, but in a unique way, letting people know that they matter. And through that, hopefully at some point, earning a right to be able to present, here's why we do the very things that we do. And so that's what we do as a church. Not just wanting to do these things because it's the right thing around the Christmas season, but that we want to, in following Jesus, become those gracious people. See, because we love to hear stories. We love to hear stories. And and there's a lot that happens inside the church. We've had some cool stories happen this year. Uh, as a church and really neat things we've been a part of. But, but even out in the world, there are people who just say, man, it's Christmas time and I want to make a difference. And some of you might have actually seen this already, kind of made its rounds on, on social media and YouTube and whatnot. But, but this hasn't been exactly the best year for police departments in our country. And there's one police department in Lowell, Michigan that said, we want to make a difference this year. Uh, if, if you've ever been pulled over, and I'm sure a lot of you have been pulled over before, it's not the most pleasant experience. Like, you get pulled over, and it's, the moment you see the lights in your rear view mirror, you know nothing good can come out of this. It, it might be, there might be grace, maybe nothing bad happens, but nothing good is going to come out of this. I'm not going to like this experience. And so they got together at the very beginning of this month and said, we want to make a difference. And so they found some people that were doing some things, small things they shouldn't have been doing, minor infractions. And they said, instead of going in and penalizing them for them, we want to make their day better. And here's their story. You know, how would you love to have that guy's job for that day? <laughs> yeah. But how would you love to have that guy's job for just that day? Maybe not the other 364 days out of the year, but, but for that day to be able to do that. Because every one of us, if you've been in that situation, the lights turn on, you're just like, oh, this just made my really good day bad. And then the one person who says, you just made my bad day good. Like, to be able to do that. And, and it, it hits me because we like to hear these stories around Christmas. And, and the question I keep coming back to is, when did we stop being gracious? Like, as a society, when did we stop being gracious? I know there's the rat race and people are, are chasing after the American dream and all those things. And, and sometimes I feel like we have to step on people to get, to get ahead. But when did we stop being gracious to the people around us? As a church, we kind of try to focus on being a church on church people love to attend, and we want to be very aware of how people think and, and realize that there are a lot of people out in the community around us that don't exactly believe the same things we believe, and we want to go out and love them where they are and let them know they matter to Jesus, and because they matter to Jesus, they matter to us. And, and it's, it's easy when we gather together to, to think, okay, we believe that, and we're passionate about that message, let's band together, and let's go do something about that. But it's much harder when we get separated from everybody else and we in our individual lives because how many can testify with me? Some people can just be annoying. 
Like, you know that, right? Some people can be annoying. They get on our nerves. And, and it's like, listen, I, want to lo- I believe Jesus called me to love all people except for that annoying person over there. Like, like there's no way nobody could. Jesus, I don't know how you love that person. Like, there, there are those people in our life. And sometimes we get really, really riled up about our personal kingdom. And if you invade my space, if you invade my causes, if you invade my politics, well, then there's not room in God's kingdom for your viewpoint or for for the things that you're doing. And so, therefore, I'm going to block you out. And this is me, not God. This is me doing this. And when we do that, we stop being gracious. You see, the video we saw at the very beginning of the guy that's in, in the cast by the way, when they sent us that video, they actually sent you, if you wanted someone to act it out, they sent you, you could actually make a full body cast. I was trying to figure out who in the church we could propose to be that person. But, but, but when we saw that video, we know that satire, we know that that guy doesn't mean it. And yet I know there are a lot of people that are just that ambitious about this cause. They get that route up. Someone, like they're walking through a store and they're all happy and they're jolly. And then someone says, happy holidays. And it's like they're walking, they're all happy, and so it's happy holidays, like the head snaps, like, what? I can't believe you just said that. And it's like, it's fighting words, and we get really riled up about these things. Listen, if that's you, God loves you too. But, but if that's you, a couple of things. First of all, in 1 Corinthians, it says that we are not supposed to judge those outside of the church. And so if there's someone that's working a, a part-time job, making minimum wage, and this week, they're dealing with all the crazy people trying to get the best deals and complaining when they don't get the deals. If they come and say, happy holidays, and if they're not following Jesus, then, then why would they say anything else? We don't have to get all riled up about that. That's okay. Sometimes we need to take a step back from the ledge for just a second and say, calm down. Because the second thing, if, you still want to get, if that's still your cause, and that's fine. If that's still your cause, see if this encourages you for a second. The word holiday is actually made up of two separate words. The first word is, is part of the holy, the, is the word holy, which means set apart to God. And the second word is day, which means day. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> didn't know if you got that one or not. And, and, and so when someone says happy holidays, literally what they're saying is happy day set apart to God. So if that's still your cause and someone says happy holidays, Say happy holidays back. I'm glad you're celebrating a day set apart for God. Like, that's okay. But what happens is people get fired up and people get ramped up and they say, oh yeah, happy holidays. I'm coming back at you with a Merry Christmas. The person's looking at you thinking, you don't sound very merry right now. (laughs) There's nothing merry at all about that. And we are so busy trying to win our arguments that we stop being concerned with winning people. And that's a dangerous spot to be. This week I was doing some research and I actually came across a website of people who are really, really fired up about this cause. I wish this was satire. Like I, I wish this was like, like a satire website that was set up, but they actually created a song. And, and the song, and, and I, I played the song once, be glad I didn't bring that song because it gets stuck in your head. It's like one of those bad kid songs that just kind of, it's always there. But, but I brought the lyrics along, and I want to read you, because this is, and again, they're well-intentioned. They have good reason to be passionate about their cause. I just think they're going about it the wrong way. The song, this is part of the song, it says this. If you don't see Merry Christmas in that window, you don't go in that store. If you don't see Merry Christmas in that window, yes, you walk right by that door. 
Oh, it's all about the little baby Jesus and my Savior's day of birth. And it's, one, it's the one and only reason we celebrate this season with loving, wishing love to all and peace upon the earth. If you don't hear Merry Christmas when they greet you when you're walking through the store, simply turn and say it's very nice to meet you as you walk right out the door. I got to stop there. Like, that's enough. I heard that. I'm thinking, okay, like in, in real life, like not in this, this fairy tale world we live in, and in real life, there are people today, this is the busiest week, and, and they have their own Christmas shopping to do, and they have all their stuff that's happening, and they're there working part-time jobs just trying to make ends meet. And then someone comes and says, happy holidays, and there's some well-meaning, well-intentioned Christian that comes across and says, oh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Why are you saying happy, or are you saying happy holidays? And they get really fired up, and the person's like, listen, I know you probably think that you're helping your cause, but you're probably not. Like when I see you act that way, you're not going to win me to your cause because you're really passionate about it. You're going to win me to your cause because you genuinely care about who I am. We need to be people of grace. And not just people of grace because it's Christmas season, but when January rolls around and everyone's not all dressed up and all festive and the music isn't all going on and the lights aren't shining, we still have to be people of grace because that's what we're called to do. In the book of Luke, we actually read the, the, account, the most famous account of the birth narrative of Jesus. We're going to get into that tomorrow night or Tuesday night if you come to one of those two services. But a short time after that, we see Jesus grow up just like we grew up. And he, obviously, he was God in the flesh. He's God incarnate. So he grew up perfect and sinless, which we did it. But he grew up just like we did. He had birthdays and, 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 and celebrated time with the family. And he did all those things. After about 30 years here on earth, he begins, because for them, for their, for their generation, uh, it was about 30 years of age they could start their ministry. And so at about 30 years of age, Jesus is baptized, he begins his earthly ministry. And one of the first things that he does in clarifying this is our mission is found in the, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up there. If not, the words will appear up on the screen. But in Luke chapter 4, we see this about Jesus returning back to his hometown. And it says this, Luke 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So in, in the Jewish culture in their day, they had synagogues in the cities. Uh, everyone couldn't go to the temple to worship, but so they had small synagogues, most like we have churches all over. And, and, and he would go to the synagogue, which was his home synagogue. And, and it says, and this is interesting, this is a whole different sermon. But here is Jesus, the Son of God. I want you to see, it says, it was his custom to go to the synagogue. Even the Son of God is saying, this is important for me to be there on a weekly basis. Even though I might not agree with everything they're doing, because a lot of what they're doing was very contrary to his message. But he goes to the synagogue on a regular basis. And one of the things that would happen in the synagogue is the men in the synagogue were allowed to stand up and read Scripture. And at different times, different men would read scripture. And so that was just the, the, the habit of what they did. And so Jesus comes in and he stands up to read. Now, in the synagogue, there was an attendant. And he kind of took care of things in the synagogue. He rung the bells and did different things. And one of the things he did, because they didn't have a, a, a Bible like this where everything's bound together and you can flip through the Bible and find the book that you wanted. They didn't have a bound copy of scripture but what they had was they had scrolls of papyri, scrolls of paper that people would roll through and they'd find a specific spot and they'd be able to read from that scroll. And so if they want to go further, they scroll up and scroll down and they'd be able to get to the text they want to read and they would read it. Now, oftentimes we see through reading scripture and also through archaeology, the scrolls would often contain one book of the Bible. And so in this case, we don't know why, if this is what they're already reading through or if it just happened to be what the attendant grabbed that day. But the attendant walks up to Jesus and he hands him the scroll to read. 
And of all the scrolls that he hands Jesus to read, he, he hands him the book of Isaiah. If you know anything about the Old Testament, in, in the Old Testament there, there are different areas of, of the Old Testament. And one of the areas you get into the prophets, the major prophets, one of the major prophets is, is, is Isaiah. And Isaiah probably had more to say about the birth of Jesus than any other prophet in the Old Testament. And so just as God ordained this whole thing to happen, he, the attendant pulls out the scroll, the scroll that contains the book that has more to say about Jesus than any other book in the Old Testament, and he hands it to Jesus to read. And now Jesus is there in his home synagogue about to read from the scripture that prophesies what he is about to accomplish, what's about to be fulfilled in him. And so Jesus scrolls through to about Isaiah chapter 61. And it says here in our text in verse 17, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him by the attendant. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So he opens up to, he has Isaiah, he opens up to about Isaiah chapter 61, and he starts to read these words. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, now I want you to understand, Jesus is reading this much like anybody else in his time would read Scripture. The same way if, if we gather together and we have a Bible study going on, and one of us reads, I'm reading this now, and it's, we're not assuming this is about me at all. So Jesus could have been any of the other men in that synagogue reading that, and it wouldn't have been that big a deal. But by what we're about to read, I think we're going to see that everybody that was there knew that there was something different going on this morning, something different than anything else they'd ever experienced. Jesus is speaking about himself. Now, whether they knew that or not, we don't know, but we know they know something different is happening. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus starts to get into his, his mission, what he's there to do. You see, in their culture, just like in our culture, they tended to lift up people who had more power, who had more influence, who had more wealth. And Jesus says, wait a minute, from, from the earliest prophecies, we see the goal of the Messiah was to proclaim good news to those who didn't have as much. And he's going to go into a list of other things, but he says, I want you to know that the message I have is not just for those who have affluence, not just those who have influence, but I'm coming to, God has anointed me to do this. God has anointed me to proclaim good news to those who don't have much. And then he says, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So he says, he's come to give, uh, proclaim good news to the poor, to give liberty to people who are captive, to give sight to people who are blind, and to give liberty to people who are held back and oppressed. He says, this is my goal. And the next verse says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The wording there might get lost on us, but in the Old Testament, there was, there was what they call the year of Jubilee. And every 50 years, they'd have the year of Jubilee. And there were a lot of people who had accumulated a lot of debt. And, and in the year of Jubilee, if they had any debt at all, in every 50 years, the debt was wiped away completely. And for a lot of them, they had become so much in debt that they were sold into slavery to pay off that debt. And every 50 years, the year of Jubilee, their slavery was, was they were set free. So all debt was relieved all slaves were set free, and, they, and there was freedom that was found. And a lot of us around Christmas, Christmas are thinking, man, if I could go into next year and all my debt is wiped away, we'd, we'd love next year. That would be great. The crazy thing is, I was actually doing some research on this. And according to their calendar, the year 2015 would be the next year of Jubilee. 
Everyone's like, yes, can we go ahead and do that right now? <laughs> I'm going to write a letter to my credit card company. No more debt this year. Thank you very much. Your jubilee set me free. And, and, and the credit card company will laugh at you and send it back to you and say, no, it doesn't work that way. But, but Jesus is saying, listen, the year of the Lord's favor is even more significant than that. The year of jubilee was a big deal. Like that was a huge deal for them. But even more important, Jesus says, I'm going to come to set you free, not of the slavery that you've been sold into. I'm not going to set you free from the debt that you owe financially. But instead, I'm going to set you free from spiritual bondage. I'm going to set you free from the debt of the sin that you've committed. I'm going to come and let the captive free. And so he says this, and he says, I've come to pronounce the year of the Lord's favor. And that's it. Like, we don't see anything in here that he preaches a long message about that or even explains it. He gets up and reads those few verses from Isaiah 61, and he quotes a couple others. And then he simply rolls the scroll up. Let's continue on. Verse 20 says, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. So he reads these couple of verses. For us, it's basically a verse and a half. He reads these couple of verses, hands that scroll back, rolls it back up, hands it to the attendant, and he walks over, and he sits down. Now, again, this is repeated hundreds of times a year in a synagogue. Like, it shouldn't be that big a deal. That happens all the time. But it said this, when he went and sat down, it says the eyes of all of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, I want us to understand the anticipation. Jesus reads this, and everyone says, I don't know what's happening, but something's different. Maybe it's the power and the authority with which, <coughs> excuse me, the authority with which he taught. But everyone's fixed on him. And they're waiting with bated breath for what's going to happen next. And Jesus simply rolls up the scroll, sits down, and everybody's looking at him. And Jesus said this, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What they had been waiting for their whole lives. What their ancestors had waited for for hundreds of years was being fulfilled. His ministry was beginning. He was about to proclaim freedom to those who were captive. He was about to give sight to the people who were blind. He was about to proclaim good news to those who didn't have much. And today, 2,000 years later, he's doing the very same thing. He has shown us grace that we can be not just receivers of grace, but dispensers of grace. See, here's the deal. Who would like a Christmas present right now? Uh, you want a Christmas present? I'm going to bring a Christmas present to you. But before I do it, before I do it, I, I want to say this. There's one thing about this gift. I'm going to give you a gift, but you have to share it with the people in your row and the row behind you. Are you willing to do that? Absolutely. Who likes some Krispy Kreme donuts? In, in the spirit of giving, we want to be able to do that. But there's a, some people are like, wait a minute. I showed up at church. The pastor gave away Krispy Kreme donuts and let them eat in church. Uh, that's kind of how things roll here. But, but here's, the, here's why we do that. Because God has given us grace, and we receive grace in order to become dispensers of grace. Some people over here are getting really upset right now that it wasn't on this side. But, but God gives us grace. And, and, and there's an analogy there, and at some point the analogy breaks down. Because God gives us grace in order that we can start to share grace with people around us. But if I give someone a dozen donuts and they start handing them out... And they give away 11 donuts, they're left with just one. 
When God gives us grace, when we become dispensers of grace, we don't lose the grace that we've received. We get a dozen donuts. We dispense grace. They get a dozen donuts. We still keep our dozen donuts. Like, that's crazy how God's grace works. We don't have to hold on to it and hoard it and say it's just for us because it's for everybody. Jesus came to proclaim that message. Good news. That's what Christmas is about. So here's what I know. When I was 19 years old, God saw through the flaws of, of my life to, 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 to rescue a captured heart. And that's what grace does in our life. Grace sees through people's flaws to rescue their captured heart. And a lot of us, we have our hearts captured to a lot of things. And we need to have freedom in it, and it's relationships, and it's finances, and it's all of these things that get built up. We think we can't have success, we can't enjoy life unless we have these things. And we get so caught up trying to chase those things, and God's grace comes in and says, I don't care what you've done, I don't care how much you've screwed up, I don't care that you say happy holidays on Christmas. Grace comes and rescues that captured heart. If God's done that for us, then we need to be willing to do the same. There might be people who believe differently than us. There might be people who speak differently than us or look differently than us, and and we get really upset about things that at the end of the day don't really matter all that much. See, as I approach Scripture, and I look, if we read throughout the Gospels and get over to the book of Acts, we see the beginning of the early church, and, and the early church, people were gathering together to worship Jesus. And it wasn't just a place to show up because it was a good thing to do on Sunday mornings. It wasn't a place to show up because if we showed up at church, we'd be thought of well in the community. Because we know in our generation in America, sometimes that happens. Some people show up at these big affluent churches simply because it's a place to be. And sometimes it happens. But for the early church, they're often persecuted. They're often looked down on and they had to hide and all these things. But they gathered together because God had taken a captured heart and grace that allowed the captured heart to become captivated by Jesus. And because God changed them, they said, we want to gather together because we want to be about God's kingdom, not our kingdom. And we want to make sure as many people get to hear this message that's going to give them freedom. And so we're going to band together as a small local church, the early church. We're going to band together and say, we want to make our best efforts to realize the grace of Jesus in our life. And as we realize that grace in our life, realize all he has rescued me from, then it now is so essential for me to start to dispense that same grace to people around me. And I can do that in small ways. I can do that by helping out someone that needs a ride to go someplace. I can do that by by knocking on a neighbor's door and saying, hey, I know you don't have any family coming for Christmas. Why don't you come over and join us for Christmas? Like, we don't have to do these big, huge things, which is cool that we're able to do some of those things. But sometimes it's small things to do that are just as significant to let people know in a very extravagant way that they matter. And as I share the love that Jesus has put in my heart, as I share the grace that he has shown me, it gives me the opportunity to say when people ask, okay, why are you doing this? To say, listen, we just want to pronounce to you that there is one who has saved and rescued my captured heart. He's shown me grace, and we just feel like we need to show grace to the world around us. It's not just about doing gracious things. It's about being gracious people. That grace would take a captured heart like ours and leave it at the end of the day captivated by Jesus who loves us, who is born to die, that we could have freedom. Let's pray.